millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hello, and welcome to the Love Life Connection podcast, a podcast for successful women who feel like they have it all except love. I'm your host, Veronica Grant, a love and life coach. And my only goal with this podcast is to inspire you to believe in yourself and that real love is possible for you, even in our swipe right, swipe left world. Hello, and welcome to episode number 312 of the Love Life Connection podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. As always, I'm super excited to be back in your earbuds again this week. And it is the fourth Thursday of the month when I'm releasing this episode, which means it is time for a guest interview. If you are new or new-ish to the show, in case you don't know, here's the schedule of what episode I release. So the first and third Thursdays of the month, I release a podcast coaching episode. And that's when I have a community member come on to the show or a client, and I coach them through a question or situationship they're in. The second Thursday of the month is a solo episode where I will talk about either diving into something a little bit deeper that's coming up in the coaching calls or just something that is just on my mind or is coming up in client sessions and something that I want to teach on. I try to make those episodes feel like workshops where you could actually sit down and take some notes and really learn something so you can apply it to your love life. And then fourth Thursday, I have a guest expert and those guest experts can range widely. So today I have my friend and astrologer, Veronica Peretti on the show. And typically in the past, I've had her come on and do like an astro weather update, like Mercury's doing that, Venus is doing this. But today, Today, I wanted to have her on the show and kind of just back up completely. Like, what is astrology? How can you use it in your life? Because I'm sure when many of you think of astrology, you might think of like the horoscope section in the newspaper, or some of those funny Instagram memes. And yes, those things can be super fun to read. But I really believe that astrology can be a really useful tool to learn about yourself and to look for patterns in your life. And when you learn about yourself or look 
look for patterns in your life, then you can make more informed or aligned choices moving forward. Uh, So astrology is not like this is what the stars say. And so this is what you're destined to experience or have or not have in your life. I think that's a really scary way to approach astrology. And that's not certainly how I relate to it. And that's definitely not how Veronica teaches it or does readings with her clients. And she talks a lot about this idea of dictate your fate. So the planets do not like lock you into a specific kind of life or destiny or anything like that. Veronica talks a lot about this idea of dictate your fate, meaning that again, like the planets don't, you know, dictate everything that's going to happen or not happen in your life. They really just kind of control some of the energy. So depending on what's going on in the stars in the heavens, uh, the energy can be ripe for meeting people, or sometimes the energy can be ripe for staying home and turning inward. That doesn't mean you have to stay home or it doesn't mean you have to date, but it just means that if you want to align some of your actions around the energy, you can. Um, However, sometimes life doesn't work like that. And even if all the energy in the astrology is saying like, turn inward, but that's not what your life is right now, then you just know that it might feel a little sluggish, or you might have to just take it slow with whatever outward you know, things you're doing in your life, just so you can be a little bit more prepared. So that's how I personally like to relate to astrology. I've learned a lot about it from Veronica. So I'm super excited to have her here because we're just going to back up and talk about how astrology can just be yet another tool that you can have in your toolbox of personal growth. And a reason why I wanted to do this particular episode now is because this has just been coming up a lot with my clients. Um, If you all listen to the first episode that I released this month in May, so that would have been probably 309 or so. I had my client Sierra on the podcast where she had, you know, drawn these cards like in this in this tarot attack and was like, ah, what does it mean? And it really means what you make it mean. And we talked a lot about how you can have a healthy relationship to tools like that. So this just seemed in theme with that. So Veronica and I talk about how you can use astrology to support you in your personal growth, but it's not like your end all be all. We also talked about how you can read astrology from a more informed perspective. So if you know what's called your big three, which is your sun sign, your moon sign, and your rising sign, then when you hear about Mercury going retrograde in Gemini or whatever, that actually can mean something to you. Like you know how to you know how to interpret that, at least at a basic level. And then at the end of the conversation, we talk about compatibility. That's something that comes up a lot with my clients, and I know on Veronica's end, a lot of her clients are asking about compatibility and what kind of person they should be going for, or if someone with that sun sign or that moon sign is a good fit for them or not. Veronica has a lot of opinions about it. It's not as simple as, oh, Gemini should be dating Aries or whatever. There's actually lots of complexity and nuance. And just because something um, or someone doesn't necessarily align by the traditional rules, that doesn't necessarily mean it's a bad thing. So Veronica dives deep into that. And I think you're really going to appreciate that conversation. All right. So just to give you a little bit of a teaser next month, keep an eye out and an ear out here on the podcast, because I'm going to be teaching a brand new workshop called Embodied Dating. So I get a lot of feedback from you all that the early stages of dating someone are just really nerve wracking. It's like, how do you go from like the third date to more of a relationship? Or how do you know? And how do you get on the same page? And how do you deal with the anxiety and the desire to control? So my workshop is going to be all about that. It's less than 100 bucks. And it's going to be really amazing. 
enrollment is not open right now. If you're listening to this episode on or around the time it was released, it will be open in mid-June 2022. So if you're listening before that, just make sure you're on my newsletter list or subscribe to the podcast so that you don't miss that announcement because I will be limiting the spots just so that I can answer questions and make sure everyone feels uh, supported in the workshop. And if you're listening to this episode way after June 2022, I'm not exactly sure what I'm doing with this workshop afterwards. I might be expanding it into a larger course. I might also be selling the workshop on demand. Uh, So just head over to veronicagrant.com so you can see what's going on with embodied dating, but there will be some other iteration of it if you are listening after June 2022. But I'm super excited about it. I have been in the movement exercise space for a really long time. Um, I was a yoga teacher for over a decade, fitness instructor, all that kind of stuff. So I really learned to connect with my body in really cool, interesting ways that can help inform you know, what's a red flag and what to do or how you feel. And when you can really connect that to your dating experience, it can just be such a much more lovely experience, a more fun experience. And with a lot less stress and drama and anxiety and control and all of those not so great things. And as always, I take on two or so new clients a month at the time of this recording. I'm not sure, you know, because I'm I'm a little bit ahead of schedule here. So I'm not exactly sure how many clients spots I have left for June or July. Uh, But if you are interested in working with me one-on-one, I recommend going over to veronicagrant.com forward slash coaching and at least starting the process so that if there is a little bit of a wait or wait list, you can go ahead and get on that and started sooner rather than later. All right, my dears. So I'm so excited for this episode and for you to listen to my conversation with Veronica. I'm excited to get embodied dating to you very, very soon. And again, if you are interested in working together and applying this inner work to your dating experience and, uh, you know, using that obviously to meet the right person, then I would love to chat over at veronicagrant.com forward slash coaching. All right, with that, let's get to Veronica Peretti. Hi, Veronica. Welcome to the show. Thanks for being here. Thank you for having me. So normally when you've come on the show previously, we've talked a lot about the astro weather, like, you know, what all the planets and whatnot are doing and what that might mean. And we'll talk a little bit about that at the end of today's episode. But what I really want to focus on is kind of backing up a little bit and talking more big picture astrology, like I mean, I think people, when they think of astrology, I think they think of like the horoscope section and like the newspaper or whatever, which can be super fun to read, but it actually can be a useful tool. (laughs) So I want to dig into that. So tell me a little bit about your philosophy and feel free to take any like personal examples of how one might actually use astrology to further their goals, their life, their inner work, spirituality, all that kind of good stuff. Yeah. So thank you for asking and thank you for having me back as always. I love being here with you. I believe that you dictate your fate. And that is something I often say on my own podcast, The Essential Astrocast. I talk a lot about that because for a lot of people, astrology is another excuse. It's another way to (laughs) shirk responsibility and to take the pressure off themselves, but that actually keeps them trapped. That actually keeps them in whatever pattern or cycle that they've been repeating over and over again, right? 
So I know what you mean, but can you give an example? Sure. So an example might be that someone comes for reading and they say, I really want to meet someone. I really want to meet someone. And they're using the astrology to keep them from actually going out and doing anything to actually meet someone. Right. So, okay, well, it's Mercury retrograde. Okay. Well, it's the eclipse season. Okay. Well, well now, you know, Mars is going to be retrograde and I don't, I don't want to meet someone under Mars retrograde. You know, I don't want to meet someone under Mercury retrograde. It's not going to, it's not going to go well if we meet under Mercury retrograde. Right. So there's sort of this um, catastrophizing that happens when people get really obsessed with astrology. And I also find that that's usually people that are pretty amateur in astrology because anyone that is doing this and reading for other people, you can't help. But the more you learn, the more you realize how everything is truly an opportunity for growth, right? Everything is an opportunity for you to see yourself and understand yourself on a deeper level. So there is no bad time to meet someone. It's very funny. There was, I have this astrologers group chat that I'm in and someone was saying that there was a wedding going on at the hotel they were staying at. And as you know, we're recording during eclipse season and we just had our our first, our solar eclipse, our first of the, the pair of eclipses when we're recording this. And so this astrologer friend of mine said, Oh, someone's getting married at this hotel. I guess they don't have an astrologer. No one looked at the chart. And then someone else said, well, maybe they met on an eclipse. (laughs) <laughs> or maybe one of them was born on an eclipse. So what is often termed or coined, quote, bad astrology is not necessarily bad for everyone, right? So you might be having a really tough eclipse because you are a Taurus or a Scorpio or a Leo or an Aquarius, and all the fixed signs are getting these eclipses pretty intensely, But someone who is a cardinal sign like you and I, we might not have any fixed planets and therefore these eclipses might not be as intense for us. And we might be having a great time going out and meeting someone new. So the astrology is very specific first and foremost, but second of all, you are always making choices and those choices dictate your fate. And there are certain moments, I believe, where we kind of have these vortexes of energy, where your choices may have more power and more long-lasting impact. And the eclipses are one of those times, or whenever we have um, planets squaring the nodes, because the nodes are often associated with fate. We call them the nodes of fate, the north and the south node. And those are what also make eclipses happen. And eclipses are on my mind because we're in that season. But When we talk about this idea of you dictate your fate, which is something I talk about a lot, what I'm saying is, yes, tune into the astrology and know when the wind is at your back. Yes, avoid those moments of doing really hard things when you're charging up the hill and the wind is against you. But if you know that this is a moment that you have to take the job or you have to go on the date or you have to you know, take the opportunity to go meet someone, then do it. Trust that there's something working in your favor. And I think that taking action is how we learn about ourselves. So I don't want anyone to ever use the astrology 
to keep themselves from taking action in their life. Yeah. I like that. I feel like I've gotten, at one point a few years ago, I got into a relationship with astrology where I was like, not wanting to make any decision without, you know, seeing what the stars were doing or like looking at like squares or retrogrades. And it wasn't even like, I'm a, I'm an astrologist. I'm not like even really good at doing this. I was just following what the calendars say, like, oh, it's a bad day. It's a positive day or a negative day. And it just got so stressful that I was like, I need to take a total break. And at that point, astrology is probably not super helpful for, for, for anybody. Yeah. I don't ever want people to feel stressed out by it. You know, it's like checking the weather. It's like, okay, it's raining. Take an umbrella. Like, don't be stressed out by it. Don't, don't make, don't change your plans because it's raining unless you're having a picnic, I suppose. But like most things in your life don't change because the rain is falling, you know? So it's the same exact thing. You're checking in with the weather. And I always say that on my podcast, when I, when I record the essential astrocast, I'm always reminding people, yeah, this is a challenging aspect. Yeah, this might be a challenging week, but that's why you're listening to this podcast so that you know when someone loses their temper with you, you have the wisdom to de-escalate the situation. Right. right. You have the wisdom to say, oh, tempers are really hot this week. I'm going to do what I can to keep myself in check and to de-escalate the situations that I might be experiencing. Yeah. Yeah. When you said like, you don't change your life for the rain, it's really funny. That just brought this memory. I used to live in the Middle East and there when it rains, like life really does stop. <laughs> like, no one goes anywhere. And so then I remember when I moved back and I started, or moved back to the US when I started my job and like one day it was raining and I, my inclination was like, oh, I guess I'm not going into work today. And then I was like, wait, this is, this is America. I guess we have to go to work when it's raining. <laughs> That's actually my best friend lives in Hawaii for nine years. And it's like that in Hawaii. She's like, everything gets canceled when it rains, but life still goes on for yeah, most yeah. of us, regardless of the weather. And then there are those weather events like blizzards that make us all stop in our tracks, you know? Yeah. So there are moments where astrology will make you stop in your tracks, but I feel like those moments are few and far between. Yeah. And nobody should be putting off their life for the perfect astrology. Another example of that is when we got married. So I got married last year. We changed our date technically three times, but really we had four dates because we did a micro wedding and then we did a reception. Because of COVID, I kept changing our dates and I kept looking at dates. And we ended up actually probably getting the best date of all the dates that well, we actually right said I do. Hit too, so it was yeah. really good. Oh, well, our, our reception was, but our reception oh, yeah. date was not great. Although a lot of people, including Paris Hilton did get married on that date. Cause it was 11, 11, 21. But the day that we said I do, which is the date that matters, at least in my world of astrology, it ended up being probably the best date of the options that I had had. But every time I looked at a date, there was something wrong with it. There's no perfect date. There's no perfect moment. It is really hard. There's always going to be something. And so if you're working with an astrologer who is grounded and has a real sense of this, the reality, you know, of some, some earth in that chart, they're going to be real with you, you know? And the thing is, 
you're looking for the optimal date for your chart. You're looking for the optimal date for the chart that of your chart, your partner's chart. Um, the other thing that I think is really magical about astrology. So when I started doing our wedding date stuff and I kept searching for dates and I kept trying to figure out, is this one good? Is that one good? You want to make sure the sun is in the seventh house when you say I do. <laughs> All of those things. I came to realize from my te- one of my teachers, Ann Ortley, that it actually doesn't even matter that much, the marriage chart. I mean, it matters, of course, but the chart, the die is already cast with the chart from the moment we met. And so the moment we met is the birth chart for our relationship. Mm. And when I was choosing our wedding chart, I actually was choosing a chart that worked with that chart, not only our individual birth charts. How interesting. So if I had gone into that date being like, oh my God, Venus is in Gemini. I can't go on this date because what if he is the person I marry? And then we're going to have Venus in Gemini, you know, like (laughs) imagine like if you went, if you, there's no end to where that paranoia can take you is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. And that's why I always say, I kind of joke 90% of astrology is you dictate your, your fate, you make your choices and 10% is beyond your grasp. You just can't control it. And in that moment, I didn't know that I was going on a date with someone who was going to become my husband. And there are some things in our meat chart that I'm not so keen on. And actually there are some, there's some challenging aspects in our chart that actually exist in both our birth charts. And those are the moments where you're like, oh, astrology works. It makes sense. You know, we we have a meat chart that has this challenging Venus thing, Venus Saturn thing, and we both have challenging Venus Saturn things. So <laughs> that makes sense. And then when we got married, it also had some challenging Venus Saturn things. So you find these patterns, and astrology is a study of patterns and cycles. And if it's helping you develop a deeper understanding of yourself and a deeper relationship with your own sense of connection to spirit, then it's working. If it's keeping you from living your life, it's probably not working for you. Yeah. And I like that you say that a lot, how it's the study of patterns and cycles. Cause I think a lot of people think it's more of like predicting the future and it's like, those are two really different things. Yes. So yes, we do prediction in astrology. And there's actually, technically, there are astrologers who do predictive astrology. That's like a school of astrology, a school of thought within astrology. And there are astrologers that don't even do that at all. Yes, we are doing a little bit of predicting per se. But what I think of it as, it's less predictive and it's more like, okay, Last time this happened, we saw this, 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 and this happen in the world. So we know that when these energies come together, there is an opportunity for compromise. There is an opportunity for conflict. There's an opportunity for whatever. Yeah. So really you're studying the past to be able to predict the future. And so that's why I don't really make predictions per se. I give you a glimpse of what these patterns often play out to look like in your life. And that doesn't mean that 
you can't have an experience that totally contradicts what yeah. the pattern has been thus far. Yeah, I just find that so interesting, both just like personally looking at, you know, like last time, I don't know, there was an eclipse and whatever, but then also on a grander scale, like, you know, we don't to get into all, cause I know we talked about the flow on the, on our, on your show for sure, but then also here too, um, you can look at like historical cycles and all that kind of stuff, political cycles also align up with a lot of astrological patterns, which like every time I'm thinking, ah, this stuff isn't real. I just think about that and I'm like, oh my God, that's crazy. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that is real. I mean, I think that one of the things that's most interesting as in astrology, in my opinion, is mundane astrology when we look at those kinds of things. Yeah. But on a personal level, you also have those patterns. So I recently was looking at my chart and I said, oh my gosh, Saturn is squaring my natal Chiron. And I'm going through some physical stuff right now. I recently had surgery. Everything is fine, but I has had to have surgery to have something taken care of. And I was like, oh my God, like what, what are the other Saturn Chiron aspects that have occurred in my life? You know, so I looked at all of those. I looked at all the other times that transiting Saturn made an aspect to my needle Chiron. And I went to my astrologers group and I said, Hey, do you guys have any stories or any experiences when Saturn squared your natal Chiron? And so that's one of the ways that I think astrology is really interesting because then you start to become your own personal historian of your own life. You know, you start to see the, the patterns of consciousness for yourself. Like what are these experiences of dealing with hardship in your physical body teaching you like what what are the things that are coming up like i'm noticing that saturn and my natal chiron are having an experience where i get plantar fasciitis like what is that about for me like why do i keep getting that with my with saturn talking to my chiron like what's that about yeah so i think there's a general investigation of really understanding ourselves that happens when we get into those deeper levels of astrology, which is only really available to you if you really want to learn how to look at your chart. You don't have to learn how to look at your chart, though. You can go to an astrologer. I don't think I think there's levels. You don't have to go as deep as what the example I'm talking about. But you know, when Mercury's retrograde, you listening to the, the podcast or you're reading an astrology blog, you know, Mercury is retrograde, like what comes up for you? You know, we, it's very simple when you look at Mercury retrograde, because Mercury moves so quickly, Mercury is going to take you back to where you were like three to five weeks prior, even in that small span of time, you can see some themes, you can see some patterns that are developing, you can see some stuff that's coming into view for you that you maybe didn't see before. And that's the beauty of Mercury retrograde is that it helps us see things a little bit differently. Yeah. I want to take a quick pause here to remind you that if you haven't already, you've got to block out an hour on your calendar and check out my workshop, the five step strategy to banish anxiety and overwhelm in your love life. So you can attract a fulfilling partnership and live a life of purpose. It's completely free. And in the workshop, I break down exactly why you're in the dating pattern you're in how to take the confidence you feel in the rest of your life and apply it to your dating life, and so much more. If you like my style, philosophy, and how I coach women on the show, this workshop will help you get started in your own deep work. 
And for those of you who want to understand the why behind what I do on the show, I even dig a bit into the science of love so you can start to see real change in your own love life. It's really all my best work in one place and you can access it right now. I strongly believe you don't have to spend years in therapy or read every dating self-help book to dramatically transform your love life. Grab your seat over at veronicagrant.com forward slash workshop. And now back to the show. So let's, I think that's a good transition point. So the three most important things to know about your own astrology are um, sun, moon, and rising. Most people know what sun sign are because that's like, you know, what you're supposed to read and like newspapers or magazines or whatever. So, and, and knowing this can be helpful again when like, okay, if Mercury is retrograding in Gemini and you're a Gemini, then, you know, that might affect you more than someone who's like, I don't know, whatever Capricorn. I don't know. I don't, I don't really know what I'm talking about. So <laughs> can we just start with sun, moon, and rising, what they all mean? And um, yeah, let's just start there. Yeah. So a lot of people refer to this as the big three, sun, moon, rising. And I would say they're really important. I consider this sort of like your special sauce. It kind of is what makes your personality you. But of course, other planets in your chart are very important, maybe as important, depending on how they are talking to these. But I would say when it comes to your sense of self, then sun, moon, and rising are kind of kind of major. They're kind of like the foundation of the house, you know, Um, what everything else is built on. So when we look at your chart, we see the sun, you know, your sun, it's easy to know your sun because it's based on the day you're born. The sun is very predictable. It takes, you know, a year to go to go around the chart or really for us to go around the sun. But from the vantage point of astrology, we're looking at it, we're looking at a wheel and we're seeing the sun move around it. Yeah. So unless you were born on what one might call a cusp, although the cusp is not real, by the way, I hate to tell all of you cusp people out there. I just (laughs) had someone last week who said, I'm very cuspy. I'm on the cusp. And I was like, well, that's not real, but sorry to tell you people feel very (laughs) special. There's a weird, like, I feel like I'm taking away their identity as being special. When I tell them the cusp is not real, people are very attached to it. told me this before that the cusp is not real. And so my friend who claims to be born on the Scorpio Sagittarius cusp, I was like, no, it's not real. You have to look and see where the sun actually was. when you were born because you're either a Scorpio or you're Sag, but you're not. So sidebar, let me just explain why people are obsessed. So yes, people are very obsessed with being on the cusp. They think it makes them very special. I don't know what it is, but it's like, sorry to take it away from you. I had two people last week I had to take that away from and it's always hard. Um, (laughs) So You seem really sad about it. (laughs) I, I just think it's funny that people are so attached to it. It's a very funny thing. So the sun is in one or the other. It goes from zero to 29 degrees. Once it's done at 29 degrees and 59 minutes, it goes to zero degrees of the next sign. You cannot be both. (laughs) You're one or the other. Yeah. 
why people often are attached to it is because let's say your friend is your friend is Scorpio, Scorpio Sag. I actually don't know what she is, but. So what often happens is someone might be a Sagittarius son and now Sagittarius, the stereotype of Sag is that they are, you know, fun and outgoing and adventurous and risk takers. And that person might say, that's not me. I don't, I don't feel like a Sagittarius, at least according to what the stereotype or the Instagram memes are saying I'm supposed to feel like. There's a few reasons that you might not feel like a traditional Sagittarius. And that might be that you have some planets in Scorpio, because as we know, there are many times that a lot of the planets travel very closely together. Right now we have, you know, a number of planets in Taurus, and then we have three planets in Pisces, and we have often we have these times where the planets cluster together. So you might have a Scorpio stellium and be a Sagittarius sun. And then you feel very connected to that Scorpio archetype. Yeah. That's a big reason. Another thing is that the Mercury is always either in the same sign or one sign before or one sign after the sun. It never travels further than that from the sun. So because of that, a lot of the time, people feel like they are a Scorpio, even though they're a Sag because their Mercury is in that previous sign or the sign after, depending on yeah. which cusp we're talking about, yeah, yeah, yeah. Which, which, which fake cusp we're talking about. So <laughs> the cusp is a real thing in astrology, by the way. It's just not the thing that everybody thinks it is. So the cusp is actually the cusp of the houses when you look at a chart. Got it. So it's actually a different thing. That's why it's very funny. So anyway, with that said, Mercury rules our mind, how we process information and how we express ourselves. So you might say, oh, I express myself as a Scorpio. My language is not blunt and direct. And I don't give people, I'm not over the top like a Sagittarius might express themselves. I'm much more private. I keep to myself. I don't express my opinions as openly. Well, then you might have Mercury in Scorpio and your son is in Sagittarius. Yeah. That's part of the reason that people get really um, turned around about that. Often I find it's because of Mercury, but sometimes it's because that person's moon is in a very different sign. And so the moon is the second piece of that three-part puzzle that you're talking about or the big three or what I like to call your special sauce that makes you who you are. So the sun is your sense of identity. You're always evolving into your sun, but you are born your moon sign. Your moon is your. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am, but Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bombas socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. 
Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Emotional self, your internal world, how you experience things is really the moon. It's also the physical body. It's our relationship to our habits, our day-to-day life. And so I find that a lot of people express their moon sign much more as a child and they start to evolve into their sun. And so let's say for me, example, I'm a moon in Virgo, I'm a sun in Aries. As a child, I was actually really shy. I wasn't like the super confident over the top. I maybe was like that a little bit, but then once I got into school, I became very shy And that's much more Virgo. That moon in Virgo is much more concerned with what does everybody think about me? Aries is like, I don't care what anyone else is doing. I'm going to do my thing. But I became that much later in life, like college, adulthood. For most of my childhood, I was very concerned about how other people viewed me. It was much more self-conscious, which is a more Virgo thing, especially like anticipatory anxiety. It's very Virgo. So all of that, you know, didn't really resonate with my sun sign, but I have a ton of Aries in my chart and I'm very much of an Aries as an adult. I've really grown into being an Aries, (laughs) but my moon is not that way. And so my internal world and my emotional space and my experience internally is not very Aries. It's very Virgo. It's very, uh, you know, it's, can be anxious. It can be all of these things that other people might not see me as. So when you're looking at this, the sun is who you are during the day, when you go to work, when you go to school, when you're out in the world and the moon is who you are at night, when you are by yourself or with your partner or with your family or with the people that are closest to you, your coworkers might not know that moon part of you, you know, And then the rising is actually a point in your chart. So your rising sign is the sign that we can imagine was metaphorically on the Eastern horizon, the moment you took your first breath. So if we cast a chart for this moment in time, and there is a baby being born at this moment where I am in New York City, their rising would be whatever the sign is on the quote, Eastern horizon of the chart at this moment. And so that point in space dictates the very beginning of your chart and therefore tells us where the planets are going to land in your chart. So that rising sign is really important because it shows us what your motivations are what makes you get up and go? Because it's literally the sign that brought you in. It's literally the sign that made you show up (laughs) on this planet and take that first breath. So because of that, we often see our motivations in the rising sign. We often see the things that are going to be important to you. Also, the planet that rules that rising sign is very important because that planet is sort of like the captain of the ship of your charts. So your ruling planet is your rising sign, not your sun signs planet. They're both important. So okay. your, if I'm an Aries, my 
ruling planet is Mars because my son is an Aries, right? Because the sun is my identity. Now, I'm also an Aries rising, so it doesn't work for me. But if I was a Taurus rising, then Venus would be my chart ruler. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And so she would be, you could imagine her as being the captain of the ship. And so what, is, what does that actually mean? So my, I'm a rising Sag, so Jupiter would be. Yeah. So just means that Jupiter is a particularly important planet for you along with Saturn, because Saturn is your ruling planet as a Capricorn. Okay. Do you want to see what both of them are doing in your chart and how they're talking to each other, if they are? It's also important when we look into synastry, which is compatibility, which I know is something a lot of people ask about. Yeah, we're going to talk about that. (laughs) Yes, the number one question everyone asks me is like, how do I know if I'm romantically compatible? Okay, so oftentimes... When we look at two people's charts together, that's what we call sinistry. We will see that their sun or moon might be talking to one another. doesn't mean that it has to be a harmonious conversation. Sometimes it's a square. Sometimes it's an opposition. But having some connection between the luminaries, the sun and the moon are our luminaries, our life givers, that can be useful. Another thing that can be useful is like if your chart ruler is talking to one of your husband's luminaries or his chart ruler. So sometimes that's another indication of compatibility. So that's the deeper level of compatibility and sinistry. And so this whole thing of like, because, you know, if you were to Google Gemini compatibility or whatever, then that's all going to be based on the sun sign like all those articles that you find. It is. And that can be a little bit useful in the sense of like your general identities are going to be of similar ilk, you know, but it really doesn't tell you that much. I mean, you can find your own patterns. I know that I love women that are cardinal signs, right? Like many of my girlfriends are, Aries, the same, (laughs) or Capricorns, which is squaring my son, right? Or Libras or Cancers, less Cancers. I have no water in my chart, but I have a lot of Libra, Capricorn, and Aries friends. Yeah. And that makes sense because our sons are probably, maybe not exact, but they're either opposing or squaring one another. So there's some connection there. There's some sense of, even if it's friction, it still creates the catalyst for moving forward, right? Friction is actually really good in astrology. I think squares, people often say to me, oh, I have a bad chart. An astrologer told me I have a bad chart. And that what that person might have seen was that they had a lot of squares, a lot of oppositions, T-squares, grand crosses, challenging aspects in their chart. And my response to that is every interesting person I've ever met has some challenging aspects in their chart. Mm -hmm. And I've only really ever met one person who had none and they were kind of boring. (laughs) So what if you (laughs) would ever say like, if, 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 if you had a client and they're like, I met someone and they're this rising sign or, or moon or whatever. And this is me, or you did a synastry chart. You would, there was never a situation where you'd be like, yeah, you guys definitely shouldn't be together. 
Because I think sometimes that's what people are looking for because like they're so overwhelmed and like, how do I know if this is the right person for me? And so they're just looking for something that just gives them, it's like almost an out, you know, or, or a reason to keep moving forward. Do you know what I mean? I would never say that because I will tell you, I dated someone who at the time I sent the charts to this, my astrologer slash astrology teacher. And she said, there's a karmic connection here because there was some conjunction with my nodes and his nodes and all these things. And there were some things that indicated a karmic connection. That was not my person. I mean, I knew that wasn't my person. Mm -hmm. So just because you have a karmic connection with someone or just because you have good synastry with someone doesn't mean that they're your life partner. Yeah. You know, and the thing is, sometimes we need to meet people to get more clear about what we want. And that was the purpose of the relationship, right? So that person, we had a karmic connection. Maybe we had something to finish up from a past lifetime. But we didn't necessarily need to spend our lives together. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So, and I mean, nothing bad happened. He moved. I stayed here. Didn't work out, you know? Like it wasn't, it wasn't a big deal. But I think that oftentimes this is another example of people wanting to shirk their own personal responsibility onto the astrology. And I don't mean personal responsibility in like a weird yeah, like yeah. right way and conservative way. I mean, like, <laughs> I mean like actually just making choices and I, it's hard to make choices and choices have consequences. And therefore when people are not confident or connected to their own sense of inner knowing or intuition, they want someone else to make the choices for them. Okay. And that's when they often turn to astrology or oracle cards or readers or whatever, you know? And I remember I have a friend who, um, I have, and it's, this is different, but similar. I have a friend who believed that she her family had a curse and the firstborn was never going to get married. And she went through so much to have the, the, the curse like lifted. And it's a very long, fascinating story, but without telling the whole story here, I think it's really interesting because she went through that in her late thirties. And I think it was the fear of, Oh, there's some other reason that I'm not in a relationship. Yeah. You know, there's some other reason that my relationships aren't working out, that I'm not getting married. And I think she might have even been, I think she was late 30s, maybe 40 when that happened. And not saying that that means anything. You get married at 76. You could get, you could get, yeah. you could be, you could have a successful marriage at any moment, you know, in your adult life. So, who knows? But I think that there is a real comfort in saying, this is not my fault. This is not my responsibility. I do not have to own the consequences of these choices. Yeah. It's almost like that kind of reminds me of what some women in my community do with online dating. They're like, I'm single because online dating is terrible. And it's like... Exactly. It's exactly the same thing. Yeah. It's exactly the same thing. And a lot of people do that with astrology. And a lot of people also use the astrology when they're scared. I have a client who has a lot of health stuff and that shit is, that stuff's real. Oh, you can say whatever you want. <laughs> and 
she was really scared about getting the COVID vaccine and she wanted to get it, but she has some really, really um, serious stuff. And she's already on a lot of stuff, a lot of meds. And so everything kind of makes her feel sick. You know, everything does, not just the vaccine. It's everything does. So she had a lot of fear around not feeling well because of the vaccine. So she kept asking me what was a good day to do it. And I just kept saying, obviously I was there for her and I was present and I totally understood like it's really scary for her in a way that it's not scary for me. And I also kind of was like, whenever you do it, it might suck and that's okay. Yeah. You know, like no, there's going to be no astrological day that your physical body just feels like, perfect yeah you know yeah totally so i think Uh, people use it to have a place to put their fears you know and i think that's if that works for you that's fine but i think all of this work and i'm assuming you will agree is operating as a mirror for us to see ourselves more clearly yeah yeah and once you start to use it as a way to get away from yourself, it's not going to be a healthy rabbit hole to go down. Yeah. That's when like the anxiety kicks in. I remember for a while I was like really, really anxious because I'm a Capricorn and Stevie's a Gemini. I'm like, they're not compatible. (laughs) I'm like totally over it. And I laugh at myself for that, but that created a lot of anxiety for a long time. And I'm like, this is not the point of astrology. (laughs) Totally. And, you know, yeah. So that's a good example. Like basic internet astrology would tell you that earth signs and air signs are not compatible. So when you see that stuff online, basically what that means is that earth signs and water signs are compatible. Fire signs and air signs are compatible. And then signs of the same elk are going to be compatible. So water signs understand water signs, fire sign people understand fire sign people. All of that is accurate, but you have all the planets in your chart, plus the asteroids, you know, you have a lot of stuff going on in your chart. Yeah. So there are going to be other places where there is compatibility. And I always tell people, if you want to simplify it to the most basic level, I would say you want to look at the moon signs and see if those are compatible. Because often if your moon signs are compatible, it indicates that you can live together because the moon signs are indicative of how we feel and how we live our life in a habitual pattern. Yeah. So your habitual patterns are going to be more similar. Yeah. Now, there are people that also have successful relationships that don't necessarily have like conventionally compatible moon signs. Yeah. Um, two of my favorites are uh, Meghan Markle and Prince Harry. I forget what their moon signs are, but I know they're not compatible. Oh, um, really? I don't remember, but I think they had a lot of compatibility in their chart. I looked at their might, charts a long might, time I ago. I, I totally forgot. Cancer. She's a Cancer rising, I'm pretty sure. And um, okay, I know everything about the world, so I'm like about to embarrass myself now. Um, <laughs> so, and Prince Harry is a triple Earth, so he's Virgo Sun, and then 
I don't remember which one is which, but one is a Capricorn moon and then one is a Taurus rising. I don't remember which no matter what though, that would, that would be compatible with Mega Mark. Well, I'm looking them up right now so that we can. And uh, um, my favorite example that I also go to is Barack Obama and Michelle. Barack, wait, what what did mm -hmm. I say? Barack Obama. Barack Obama, Michelle Obama. I only remember their sun signs. Actually, we don't have Michelle Obama's birth time so i don't know if we know her moon exactly however if you've read her book becoming i don't know have you read it, mm -mm, you read it no oh we should definitely read it it's really good however what my favorite part about that is that she talks about her marriage with barack obama a lot in the book and my favorite is that you can just see the conflict because she's um she's a capricorn and he's a leo and there's just a lot of tension in their marriage around like their competing career ambitions and just how they wanted to have their families. And like, he was like off in Springfield being like a state Senator and then running campaigns and blah, blah, blah. And it's just like, to me, it's just so quintessential of like how a Leo and a Capricorn would get pissed off at each other. <laughs> it's so good, but they work like they're an amazing couple and I, you know, admire them anyways. It's a good example. Yeah. And also I think that there was a lot of talk that they were, I'm watching the first lady on H, uh, Showtime right now. I don't know if you've. Uh, I've, I've, I haven't started yet, but I'm looking forward. It's so good. You should to you totally have to excited. get into it. I highly yeah. recommend it to all of your listeners. It's very, very good. It's very well done. I'm actually enjoying the Betty Ford part the most, to be honest. I'm interested. Um, which I knew the least about her. So that's yeah. maybe why. But Michelle Pfeiffer is amazing in it. Anyway there was rumors that they were like having trouble and then the isolation of the white house actually brought them together but that's the thing like having some conflict in the relationship isn't necessarily a bad thing yeah it's also why you were brought together to create growth for both of you yeah you know yeah because like i mean she talks about it like barack obama kind of had to like kind of grow up a little bit you know and and you know be a dad and um she had to release control <laughs> a little bit you know which i can relate as a capricorn anyways i know we got on a little of a tangent here but i'll i'll just say that it seems like just to summarize what you're saying if you want to look for a quick thing the moon signs probably your best bet but generally speaking you can use it as it like synergy charts or knowing like where some conflicts might be in your chart or or like you know flowing energy might be and just use it as information like if you know that there is this thing that's squaring in your chart it doesn't mean the relationship is doomed or you shouldn't be together it just means you know you just might need to put a little bit of more love and tlc or whatnot to that part of the relationship is that what you would say yeah exactly a hundred percent Okay. I mean, my husband and I have exactly square Mercury's. His Mercury is, I mean, not exact, exact, but his Mercury is three degrees Capricorn. And mine is five degrees Aries. And for those astrology nerds out there, I have a exact Mercury Kazime. So the sun and Mercury are exactly conjunct. So my Mercury is like in the heart of the sun. And his Mercury is out of bounds. So we both have extremely powerful Mercuries and we do argue, you know, and we also have an incredible, we also have a very intellectual connection. Mm -hmm. So it's both, there is some friction there, 
but there's also the opportunity for connection in that friction. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So to, to wrap up, we're not going to do too much astro weather. People can listen to your podcast for that. Cause you do a great weekly show on that, but let's just maybe like talk about something that either has happened. We can talk about either Jupiter or eclipses or whatever you think is best. And like, how can people then take this information and look at it from a, maybe like a deeper way than just like what the memes are saying, knowing, you know, now that they know what their sun, moon and rising and how it all kind of works together. Yeah. So one of the ways that you can, you know, track astrology is you look at your chart. There's a great app called time passages. I love that's it. a good, that's a good sort of intro for someone who's interested, but not necessarily like 100% ready to learn how to read charts. And you can see what planets you have in what signs, right? So if you know that you're a Gemini, you have a sun in Gemini, or maybe you have Venus in Gemini, or maybe you have Mercury in Gemini, or maybe you have Saturn in Gemini. When we have a lot of Gemini stuff happening, that planet is going to be impacted. And so later this year, we have Mars. He's going to spend a lot of time in Gemini. He's going to move in to Gemini in August, and then he's going to be there for the rest of the year because of his retrograde path. So he's going to be there for about seven months. And Mars is one of our two relating planets. There's Venus and Mars. And we look at relationships. We often look at those two. We also look at Mercury for communication and of course the sun and the moon. But when it comes to our desires and our values and our ability to make something happen, Mars rules the muscles, then we look at Mars and Venus. And so having Mars retrograde in Gemini and just spending such a long time in Gemini means anyone with Gemini planets or a Gemini rising or really anything in Gemini or the mutable signs, the mutable signs are Gemini, Pisces, Sagittarius, and Virgo. And those planets are going to be impacted by that Mars retrograde. So if you have, let's say, you have Mars and Virgo, it's going to be squared by that Mars and Gemini three times. So that's a way that you can think about it from that perspective. Like, okay, I know that I have Venus and Gemini. Mars is going to go back and forth over that Venus. Something about money, something about love, something about relationships, something about my social life is going to really get reviewed during that time. And I'm going to have to take some action on it because it's Mars and Mars requires action right? So that's a way that you can start to see some of those patterns. Mm -hmm. And also we did have Venus retrograde in Gemini back when we were in pretty much still in lockdown. So it was oh, yeah, like that spring, was 2020, right? Like spring, spring, summer, 2020. Yeah, I remember that. So as we go forward into the year, we get into that period of time where Mars is going to be in Gemini from August through the end of the year, you think back to what happened in spring, summer, 2020, what was going on for you? Because some of the things that were brought to light at that time are going to make a reappearance when Mars comes through. And also part of that opportunity is you saying, Hey, I've grown so much since that time. 
You know, spring, summer 2020, I was a totally different person. I had totally different values. It's interesting because that was when we had really, we had all of the George Floyd protests were going on during that time. Mm -hmm. That was also part of the eclipse story that we were in. We had several eclipses in Gemini. The Gemini people really are not getting a break. Like, and nobody's <laughs> talking about it enough, but the Gemini people are not getting a break. They've had a little mini break, but now they're going to get Mars. So we had that cycle of eclipses through there as well. So that was a lot of that story, you know, talking about our values. Gemini rules your local community as well as your siblings, as well as early childhood education. What was something that was severely impacted by the pandemic? Children going to school. All of those topics are probably going to come up again when Mars goes through and he's going to say, okay, well, what are we going to do about it now? Yeah. So whatever was coming up for you at that time, is there something that you have to do about it now? Interesting. Interesting. Okay. That's super helpful. I hope that helps for everyone listening. That that was a pretty grounded way to like look at it rather than like it just being like a fun meme. Then you're like, okay, but what is that? <laughs> what is that actually? Yeah. And really like one of the best things to do is to just get a reading, you know, and yeah. whether it's with me or someone else, if there's someone on the internets that you resonate with or you um, know someone in your life is a, is a practicing astrologer, you know, it's such a helpful thing to have someone interpret your chart for you because it's one thing to look at time passages and say, okay, my Venus is in Virgo. What does that mean? My Saturn is in Scorpio. What does that mean? But when you have someone who is actually skilled at interpreting the chart and synthesizing it, it gives you a much deeper understanding of the overall themes that you're working with and your overall Dharma, like what you're meant to do, your purpose, your life path. And that's my hope that everyone seeks that out. Even if they don't want to learn the language themselves, I always say learning astrology is just like learning, you know, Italian or Arabic or whatever, you know, it's just like learning a new language. Well, people should get a reading with you. So I'm, I'm, I'm biased though. So (laughs) thank you. Yes. And they can do that. You can go to my website, veronicapretty.com and you can sign up, book a reading with me. I also have an offer where I do four readings a year. And so you can, that's a good opportunity to go deeper. Cause what happens is people come for one reading and it's like drinking from a fire hose yeah, and they just can't absorb all of it, even though you get a recording. And what's nice about doing four readings over the course of a year is you get to really understand the deeper levels of your chart yeah. and start to really embody it. And then people can also always just come to online yoga club, which you're a part of. And we also have the moon membership now, which is like online yoga club light, where you just do the new moon and the full moon restorative ritual with me each month. Well, okay. Hold on a second, because you're not really selling online yoga club very well. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Let me explain it. Go for it. Explain your program, right? (laughs) I don't even have any Aries in my chart, but anyways, so Veronica's class is amazing because she changes the theme of the class of the yoga class every month based on where the sun is. So like, and I I can't explain what themes you do very well, but like Aries, like when the sun's in Aries, like it's probably more like fiery, I would assume. And you focus on the part of the body that Aries rules. And then we get into Taurus. And I mean, again, I have no clue, like what the theme would actually be, but, and then like Gemini, I assume that's air. So probably like lungs and maybe chest opening or 
heart opening, things like that. Anyways, so it's like astrology infused yoga. And then um, on the new and new and full moon, we do full moon or like restorative rituals. So it's like restorative yoga plus like new moon intentions and full moon releasing. Yep, exactly. You did a better <laughs> job than I ever could. Um, it is Taurus season right now, but by the time everyone's listening to this, we'll be in Gemini season. And so we do change up the themes and I kind of do the essence of whatever's going on. So it's Taurus season. We're talking about feeling grounded, feeling connected to the earth. We're talking about feeling strong in our legs as we stand, all of those things. And we're doing physical exercises that correspond to that as well as doing some throat opening because Taurus does rule the throat. And when we get into Gemini season, we will be doing some breath work. We will be doing some opening of the chest and we're going to do probably some Kundalini warmups to like access the central nervous system because Mercury shares rulership of the nervous system with Uranus. So whenever we're working with Mercury ruled signs, we'll do some nervous system stuff. So it's a really fun way to practice yoga. It's a really fun way to stay connected to the moon cycle because I'm reminding you of the moon cycle as we move through the regular weekly classes, but then also we have those new moon and full moon restorative rituals. And my goal in all of my work is for people to understand that when they experience conscious rest, they experience a deeper connection to their own inner knowing. And then it's much easier to make decisions and choices from a place of intuition. Yeah. 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 I love that. Yeah. So I'm in it. So if you guys want to do yoga with me, join me. Veronica's great. (laughs) Anyways, well, we're recording. It's almost two o'clock, which means I have to wake up my son because we're all stuck at home with COVID. Um, (laughs) We're fine now though. So thank you so much for coming on to the show. So we've got online yoga club. We've got booking readings with you. Um, Anywhere else you want to direct folks? I'm on Instagram, of course, at Veronica Peretti. And if you want a little astro cheat sheet, which I think is really, really helpful as you make your way through the world, whether you're reading astrology blogs or listening to my podcast, you can download the astro cheat sheet at astrocheatsheet.com. And that's my little, little what's, helper what's your for podcast you. called? I mean, I know it, but tell, tell it's me. called the essential Astrocast, yeah. and you can listen to me there every week as well. So, so go get the astro cheat sheet at astrocheatsheet.com and then you'll be on my email list and then you will get the podcast every week directly from me. But of course you can follow it wherever you're listening to this podcast and come find me on Instagram. Although I'm not doing that much there lately because I feel like I'm a little, Saturn Aquarius has me questioning my relationship with social media. <laughs> I'm glad it's not just me then. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thank you so much for coming onto the show. I so appreciate it. You're so welcome. It's always my pleasure. Thank you for having me. One more thing. You may be wondering, but Veronica, how do I start doing the deep work? I'm ready to make a shift. If that's you, I recommend you start with my totally free workshop, Five Steps to Ending Overwhelm and Anxiety in Dating. The good news is that you don't have to do all the things to find love. This workshop will walk you through the five big shifts that'll give you the biggest bang for your buck. You'll learn a step-by-step game plan to finally get unstuck and unblocked in love and end the cycle of dead-end relationships. 
you'll learn the number one reason most highly successful, motivated, and ambitious women struggle in love and what you can do to make sure it doesn't happen to you. You'll learn how to figure out the real reason you're attracting partners who aren't emotionally available or toxic or just simply not on your intellectual or emotional level. And you'll also learn the single most effective way to tap into the inner confidence you feel in your career and elsewhere in your life so that it'll carry over into your love life. And of course, a lot more. If you're ready to shift things in your life, I seriously can't wait for you to get your hands on this. Head over to veronicagrant.com forward slash workshop to sign up. Thank you so much for listening to the Love Life Connection podcast. If you're looking for links or resources mentioned in the show, you can find the show notes to this episode and all previous episodes at veronicagrant.com forward slash podcast. And if you love this episode, please subscribe and take a moment to rate and review the show. It really helps. I'll see you next week for a brand new episode of the Love Life Connection podcast. And until then, sending you lots of love. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.